there's anything I can tell you, is that the best place to hide is in your mind. Welcome, audience, ghoul gang, listeners, to uh, Between Lewis and Lovecraft Correspondence. If this sounds awkward, it's because this is the second time I've done this intro, because I'm a professional podcaster, and um, I know what I'm doing (laughs) sometimes. Anyway, welcome to the show, uh, the part of our show where I go on the internet and find random people and force them to be my friends at least for an hour and uh, this week, I'm really excited. I, I found someone who is interested in a lot of the same stuff that I'm into, uh, that being podcasts and ghosts and scary places and interviewing other people. Um, it's kind of perfect. Uh, that person is Sarah Jones from the Laughing in the Dark podcast. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. And uh, I'm going to I'm just going to stop and redo that again. That way you keep you keep thanking me for yeah. having you i just want to keep hearing that over and over we'll just Can't do that for an hour enough. right okay perfect. yeah <laughs> uh sarah uh seriously thanks for coming on the show I'm, I'm so excited we've never really gotten the chance to talk uh i mean we've corresponded a little bit through email so uh i'm excited to get to know you um for our audience do you want to kind of let us give us the lowdown on who sarah jones is uh God, how much time do you have? <laughs> if I have to be right, I know that's so kind of like a like an armchair therapist yeah. opening, right? Yeah, I'm like, well, it all started. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I'm interested in the paranormal, so of course my podcast is Laughing in the Dark. I go to haunted places with comedians. Um, before I go there, I research the history and urban legends of the place that I'm visiting. So I have a lot of research done, a lot of context. Um, mm. And it makes the trip really fun. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Awesome. Well, uh, what was it that got you into like? I, I mean, how do you go? How do you grow up? And did you? What, man, how do I approach this question? Nailed when you were ten years old, yeah. little ten-year-old Sarah Jones, mm-hmm. were you like, one day I'm going to invite comedians? to go to scary places is that did you always know you were going to do that no no it didn't it didn't go like that but I did um I did always love hunt I loved travel channels most haunted that they put on every year like around Halloween it was like my favorite Mm -hmm. I loved um ghost shows but the thing about them is that I hate that they bullshit you yeah you know like that was the one thing that I just couldn't stand and uh, actually, I got the idea for my podcast from uh, Anthony Bourdain. So, oh, really? Yeah. So I really loved how he would just like visit other cultures and he would really like immerse himself in the culture that he was visiting. But sure. uh, and he was funny, too. He's like relatable and cool and funny. But you're learning a lot. Um, and I really I don't know much about food, but I know a lot about ghosts. <laughs> so I was like, well, hey, like, why don't I just kind of take both of these concepts and kind of put them together? Like, I want to go to these haunted places, actually research them so I know what I'm talking about. Um, another inspiration I had is from the podcast Lore. Where yeah, he man. Does his, he really does his homework and you learn 
a lot. I don't think I don't think anybody nowadays has a podcast who hasn't been inspired by lore. I know, yeah, in some it's way, so good. And actually, I've been listening lately to um, Cabinet of Curiosities, his other mm-hmm. spinoff show, which is fantastic. Is he? Because I know he did that with uh, the stuff you should know. People, is he still doing that? Is that a reoccurring thing, or is that, was that a limited series thing? I don't think it's stuff you should know. It's a, it's like oh really. Uh, he says it in the intro. It's like, oh, this is in combination with... Uh, it's like how stuff works or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I just said the wrong thing, yeah. Yeah, but no. Um, I don't know. I've been listening to it recently. It's apparently been around for a while. There's tons of episodes from hmm. over a few years. But, I don't know. I only started listening to Lore like five years ago, so... Did you watch the the Amazon show? I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't that into it. Like I like the right. podcast more. Yeah. It, there was something about it where I'm like I where like I I'm a I'm an electrician during the day, right? So I go into basements uh to do work in downtown portland and uh if you've ever been in a basement in downtown portland there's like a 90 percent chance it's haunted uh because they're creepy and scary and they they all connect to the, the shanghai, shanghai, tunnels. shanghai yeah. tunnels yeah yes. being it working in portland um like I, I deal with being creeped out by his voice by aaron Mankey's voice while i'm creeping around in the dark uh so i you know, watching it from the comfort of my house is a little bit less scary and I think takes me out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I've also um, recommended him a lot to a lot of people and they're always thrown off by his cadence, which yeah. is a little jarring at first, I think. But um, I find it endearing after, like, getting to know him. Not personally. but Right. Like, but as as you get to know him through the, the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree with that completely. I think that's the case with a lot of people is like, it's a matter of usually the most interesting people talk in a different cadence or in a weird way. And once you start to understand that you start to catch on the little things that they do with their voice that I think kind of weirds people out at first. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sarah, we we talk about books and literature and and all of that on our show. Um, are you are you a fan of of any any books in particular or authors or anything like that? Um, actually, yeah. So I am kind of a bookworm, especially um, this year. I joined uh, Book of the Month Club. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's like an app. Oh, I have not. Uh, but I oh. should definitely make a note of that. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. They'll like give you an option for that month and you choose which book you want and they'll send it to you and they'll send you the physical book. Like I'm not really into audiobooks. I mean, I listen to them, but usually when I'm listening to an audiobook, it's like a self-help book. Okay. And like I like to read novels and like actually be holding them. Yeah. So that you have something to clinch onto when it's getting scary or like intense yeah, or something, right? Yeah, you also, I feel like you, there's like so much that goes into it. Like you get used to the font and the size of the font. Mm. You get used to um, kind of that sense of accomplishment when you're almost done with the book and like how much more you have to go. Yeah. You know, like counting how many pages you have left until the end of this chapter. There's so much about like holding a book that I like. Um, no, I, I agree with that almost completely like 
I I get the I could not read an ebook at to say the least. Like I love a physical book if I'm going to read it. But I have learned in the last year doing this show specifically, audiobooks are my are my jam. I yeah. love audiobooks so much. The thing is sometimes with an audiobook you have to get used to the way the voice sounds. Right. Like I listened to um a Chuck Palahniuk book and it was read by the author mm-hmm. and this is horrible I know you're in Portland <laughs> uh, I was such a big fan of his when I was a kid or like growing up and um, I listened to choke which was like one of my favorite books by him and I don't know if it's one of those things that like you revisit as an adult and you're like oh maybe not <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it was like, and it was read by Chuck. And I was like, dude, really? I I don't know. Like, it just threw me off completely. I don't know if you've ever listened to any of his books on tape. Uh, I have not. I'm looking him up right now to see even what he wrote because I'm I'm not super familiar. Oh, okay, Fight Club. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There it is. Yep. But Choke was like my favorite. Um, He wrote uh, Diary was a really good one that I Mm. remember really liking. Yeah. God, what else? Haunted. He wrote a lot of great books. Um, and so it was his voice that threw you off or just... It was that. If there's a little bit of... Um, so kind of like in Fight Club, that how they go to uh, different like groups, like group therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little bit of an element of that. It was like the main character in Choke is like a sex addict. Yeah. Um, and there was this huge theme of like... It was obviously trying to shock you. Like everything is, that's kind of like his bent. Like that's his style is just shocking. And I think that appealed to me a lot more when I was like 12, 13, 14, than than now when I'm like 30, that I'm like, okay, I get it. You fuck too much. I I like, (laughs) all right, get help. Like I don't, (laughs) so it's, it's a little bit, I mean, it could just be my place in life that I'm returning to it. Um, but yeah, it, it was a little, it wasn't what I remembered. Right. That's what I'll say. And yeah, yeah, I guess like when it was read by the author, it felt like, I don't know, I'm probably being like really overly judgmental because <laughs> like I definitely am. Uh, but it just, I don't know, it rubbed me the wrong way. Maybe sure. someone listening to this would be like, oh my God, I had the same experience. But I don't want to like throw him under the bus though, because he was like one of my favorite authors. So and I think Portland, it, like it, it definitely can be hard. Uh, like we did an episode where I listened to Dante's Inferno, which okay, yeah. already that's going to be hard to listen to because it's a poem written in Italian and in old Italian, like you know Renaissance medieval Italian, translated into modern English. Um, so already I was like, oh, okay. So this is not going to work. Um, that's, that's not going to happen. But then I actually haven't even read it. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's worth checking out. Uh, it's on my list. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you can also just listen to our episode on it and get the whole lowdown and sound like you've read it before. Um, but we, but the person they, they cut, there was like five people reading it and they do different parts of the story. And there was one lady, and every time she read, I would just skip the whole section. 
I would just yeah. go online and I'd read what happened in it so that I can Spark catch up it. with the with the next person who's reading. Because when she read, she needed to just drink a glass of water so oh. bad because her mouth yeah. was making mouth noises and it was like no. that like sound. No, ma'am. No. And I'm like, no, I just I just won't. As someone who makes a podcast and audio and voiceover, like that alone i'm like no you need to do a better job but just as a listener i just and i don't want to hear you speaking in old medieval italian translation while going man i need a cup of water yeah (laughs) yeah get a lozenge and let's revisit this but then you get books like uh dune i listened to the audio of of dune and then i haven't listened to it yet but i've been recommended it like probably from everybody i know uh, the audiobook of Sandman that just came out on Audible. Oh, I've uh, never even read that book or the, listened to it. It's a comic book written by by Neil Gaiman. Um, That's why. Oh, right. I love Neil Gaiman, though. Everybody loves Neil Gaiman. He's one of the greatest yeah. writers on Earth. Uh, yeah. And so they took the comic book and turned it into an audiobook, which I'm like, how? But apparently it's done so well that it's, like everybody raves about it. So that's really? probably the one that I need to check out the most. Interesting. Yeah, I'm reading uh, or listening to um, an audiobook right now that, so like I said, I like to read physical novels. So mm-hmm. I'm actually reading a physical novel right now called The Lost Apothecary. Which okay. Is, it's okay. I'm not like in love with it. Um, and I'm listening to an audiobook that's a self help. Uh, it's like a relationship advice book. Okay. And I am like lukewarm on it. Like, I feel like I'm like gleaning things from it. Like I listen to it when I'm like doing the dishes and shit, like, you know, whatever. I think I'm getting stuff from it, but two things about like recently they started getting into like really Freudian, like Oedipal themes. And I was like, okay, like this is a little (laughs) far. And then you're uh, more of a young fan, thing, not a not a Freud fan. Well, no, not I actually. So I actually have a bachelor's degree in psychology. Oh, okay. and I'm not going to say I'm not a Freud fan because so much of psychology is based on the work that he did. But, yeah. But um, yeah, like the Oedipal complex, I think, is a little much. Sure. Uh, but um, but yeah, so I was just thinking about it because you're talking about those voices. This guy's voice like they bring up like examples from other people's, you know, case studies. And they're like, oh, well, Samantha said this about John and this is what she said. But the way he speaks and in these other people's voices is so like melodramatic that it just drives me insane. Yeah. Like he'll, it'll be like, um, and Samantha said, well, I know he's not good for me, but he makes me feel complete, and I just think I'd absolutely die. And I'm like, oh my god, Samantha, get your shit together! Like it's like so frustrating to listen to that. You know, I'm like, at least I'm not this much of a sap. But I mean, it's it's crazy. I I had the uh, a similar experience listening to Attached which um, is a great self-help book if anyone is looking for that. Attached is so good. And I listened to it as an audiobook and I had the same thing. It was like the voice of these people's case studies was so dramatic. 
So so bad. good book, but dramatic read. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't as annoying as this one. I won't even say the title of this one because I don't like <laughs> you don't highly wanna... recommend it. Sure. Sure. But um, I did recently read a novel. I mentioned this in my email called uh, Dark Matter. Right. It's on my bookshelf right next to me, actually. I have um, an audio version of that that I haven't I haven't started yet. Oh, my God. It's so good. I highly, highly recommend it. It's, it's really, really good. You know, okay, I'm I'm self-evaluating right now because because you say that. You say, yeah, it's so good. I got it because I, I got it recommended from people. I started writing science fiction, and I'm like, hey, I need to read science fiction if I'm going to write it, so what's a good one? Everybody, top of their list. You oh, know, my God. Dark, I dark Matter it. and Dune, right? Dune. Classic. And then anything by Isaac Asimov. So, so I read Dune and it like legitimately gave me an existential crisis. Uh, Dune is like a dense book to read too. It, it's like yeah. intense. Uh, I read um, Caves of Steel and my, I learned something about myself in that I don't like space stuff. I like robot stuff. That's my, okay. that's my sci-fi genre niche, right? I'm so afraid to read or listen to, in this case, Dark Matter, because Dune and Caves of Steel changed me so much. It's nothing like Dune. But it's there's but, no space element to Dark Matter at all. What 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 scares me about it is that it, of how good it's supposed to be. Because I because Dune changed me because of how well it was written. That's what it's I like. Really if well if if you haven't listen to our episode uh this is both for sarah and our listeners if you haven't listened to our episode on frank herbert we did a two-part and you get to hear me go through an existential crisis in my own writing career because i almost gave up after reading dune because i was like i'm never going to be this good um no so so, like dune is a literary classic i'm a writer too okay and you can't compare yourself to like especially to a classic like that there's just no place to do that but dark matter is exceptionally well written but in a way that is really accessible that dune probably is not okay you know like if like obviously you've read dune if you put that in front of nerdy people like ourselves we love it but if you put it in front of just anyone they're going to be like this is really i can't keep track of all these characters and like this is a lot of information they're throwing at me yeah i don't know if i can handle this dark matter is not like that it's very accessible i read it in i think it took me like three days to read that book because i could not put it down like i just wanted to know what happened next it wasn't dense there wasn't it didn't take a lot of like mental fortitude to get through the book which sometimes i am looking for and sometimes i'm not Right. Um, and with that book, it's it's not. In fact, he has another book called uh, Recursion that I just picked up and I have not started reading yet. I I like to, if I start a novel, I finish it. Yeah. So my current novel is taking me a while to get through because I, I only love half of it. There's It's like two different oh, storylines happening at once. And one storyline I'm, like, very into. The other one I'm like, all right, let's get through this. That was me uh, with uh, The Sword of Shannara. I never read that. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah, like, this book is uh, The Lost Apothecary. I would still recommend it. It's good. Um, but it's, like, 
So basically, do you want me to tell you? Is this turning into a book club? That's fine. That That's what this whole freaking episode is about. Okay. Yes. Amazing. We're nerding okay. out about books right now. Okay, great. So The Lost Apothecary, it's, uh, I don't remember the author, it's Sarah something. Um, Google it. Uh, half the book is about in like the 18th century, so it's like 1796 or something. This lady named Nella owns this hidden apothecary that's like in like it's literally like you have to know which stone to pull out of the wall and a door opens up to this like little stone room in um london Mm. and she sells only to women and she sells women poisons to kill men okay never women only killing men she fucking hates men we don't exactly know exactly why but it's also like the late 1700s women are treated like shit like it's makes sense um her storyline is so fascinating and Mm. i picture um i imagine her looking exactly like uh what's her name from penny dreadful if you watched that uh there's a couple out the eva green or oh the old the original eva green i think is her name yeah the uh i forget what her name is in the show gotcha yeah, I yeah, don't know. Whatever. I haven't actually seen it. I just I've seen oh, around it's so it. So good. <laughs> um, but I that's who I picture, and I love that storyline. It's very fascinating. She's like collecting beetles and drying them and like turning them into powder and all kinds of cool shit. Right. At one point, she like pierces an egg and puts poison in the yolk so that it's like not detectable when these people. It's very cool. Yeah. Other storyline is present day. This lady named Caroline. Her husband just cheated on her. She's all pissed. She goes to London to like take some time to herself, but her husband follows her and she's trying to decide like, well, I still love him, but like, I can't get past this. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck, Caroline. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Let's go back to this like murderous lady who lives in this like secret stone room. So that's what I'm currently struggling with. Yeah, I I totally get that. Um, that's how I was with. Uh, I didn't read it. Um, I've been told to, but the show Magicians. Um, oh, I someone just told me yesterday to watch that. I haven't yeah. seen it either. I got like I think halfway through the first season, and there was a couple things about it I wasn't a big fan of. One of them was, it was like the uh, there's a chick who doesn't get into the school, and so she becomes like a magic junkie, and I'm like. This is weird. This is a weird take. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not in it. I'm just not in with this. But then like, but then they go on this whole thing about like, they basically go and try and show that C.S. Lewis was kind of a pedophile and this weird thing. And it was like, even if it's like, they're like, no, it's not, it's not C.S. Lewis. It's just kind of inspired by C.S. Lewis. I'm like, dude, like in today's culture that's so dangerous <laughs> like yeah, with with no the with the the cancel culture that we have like even just that little bit could be like enough to scare someone away from CS Lewis's work and he's my favorite author so I don't like yeah. that at all like so Yikes. it was it was kind of enough for me to be like yeah I just I'm not super excited about the storyline they're doing and I just don't care about the characters enough and there's yeah. so much more for me to watch so I'm yeah. just going to move on. 
Um, I've been told the books are better, and that's always the case. So one yeah, day, if I ever true. get the chance, I'll I'll probably try those out. Yeah, that's. I mean, I loved the Harry Potter books growing yeah. up. I actually reread them a few years ago, and I still was like, yeah. these are the best. I don't love the movies as much as everyone else does. Oh, really? And I, that's a hot take. Yeah, it is a I hot know. Take. It's that's like hard. Everyone loves the movies, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> like. I've, what I don't like is that there's so much in the books. The books were so fucking thick. Yeah. That, like, there's so much there that they... Uh, like, I remember my ex-boyfriend, I was asking him, I was like, do you even know what's going on? Because they kind of just gloss over some stuff mm. that if you read the book, you're like, well, I know that this is just... They basically, like, um, give you the cliff notes from the book. They're like, these are the basic important things that happen. Sure. And it's like, if you didn't read the book, how do you get what's happening? Yeah. And he was like, I don't really know. <laughs> I was like, so you because don't really those... know what's going on? He's like, no, nah, I get it. Dumbledore. Yeah. Yeah, just enough. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's there. It's like LaCroix. It's the, the, the Harry Potter movies are the LaCroix of the Harry Potter flavor, right? Like, there's just enough. You get it. It's just enough. Yeah. But you could, you could have more. And I LaCroix. It's, you know. It's, yeah. But I just feel like. If I hadn't read the books, if I watched the movie, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and then reading the books, I watch it and I'm like, wow, they just threw that right out there. They don't even explain. Yeah. And I'd be wa- I'd be so annoying because I'd be watching and I'd be like, okay, but so, all right, this is why this is important. And he'd be like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. We, uh, like, I got my. Hermione has this, she's making socks for elves. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care. I got my ear uh, pulled off a little bit by uh, Allie from Best Friends Playbook and um, and Fables of Refuge. Um, she she does D and D show Fables, and then a, a Best Friends Playbook is another podcast. And we had her on for a correspondence episode, and literally the whole the, her whole thing was wanted wanted to talk about Harry Potter and how much that inspired her. And I'm like, yeah, I I love the Harry Potter movies, and I've only read up to i'm in the order of the phoenix right now oh Um, you're reading them right now that's cool uh and i mean i've been on order of the phoenix for like three years because i started this stupid (laughs) podcast where i have to read another a new book every two weeks so it's i'm gonna be in order of the phoenix probably until i have a kid and then i'm gonna restart (laughs) because i'm gonna read them to my kid but so the whole episode all you hear is Allie and then Hannah, my co-host, telling me that I have no fucking idea what I'm talking about because I haven't read the books. And I yes. and like, oh, you have no idea. You have, and I'm like, ah, this is I know I don't. That's the thing that is I know that I don't know what's going on, but oh, I still so love good, the movies. Though. Yeah, it's it, they're just the books are just so good. I am a huge fan. I was so happy to reread them as an adult and still really love them because like what was really cool is I was like one of those kids that like waited at the bookstore at midnight with yeah? like release. Yeah, the new Harry Potter books. It was like awesome to me. Um, and I was the same age as Harry Potter. Right. So like yeah. as the books would come out, it was like I was growing up with these characters. Yeah. So I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, I think you and I are about the same age. And, and I remember the... I remember that being a thing, but I just wasn't into Harry Potter at that time. Yeah, uh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't get into Harry into Harry Potter until 
the second to last movie came out and I was working at the movie theater. And so I would go and see movies for free. And it was just like, it's just what I would do is just like on my day off, I just go see a movie and I saw a lot of really bad ones. Um, And I had zero idea what was happening, but I went and saw the second to last Harry Potter movie. And I'm like, yo, this is pretty dope. (laughs) Yeah, they're not bad movies. It's just that there's so much for them to cover. Yeah. That it's like the movie itself would be like 10 hours long if they were trying to like fit everything. Yeah. Or they'd have to split each one into like, you know, two or three movies themselves. Even the last one was split into two movies. Yeah. And so like I saw the second to last I kind of fell in love with it, immediately went out and bought all of the the other ones, caught up, and then my wife and I we were we had caught up in time to go see the the final release, you know, come yeah, out in theaters and we were part of the the premiere night and I was like I was so quick to jump on that train after being so late for it. Um Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So so we we were originally talking about dark matter. <laughs> yes, we were. Sorry. Um so actually I have it right here. Do you want to see the cover? Yeah. I uh have it on my little bookshelf. Ooh, I love right the there. I love it's the right whole bookshelf thing that you got going on. This is great. Thank you. I'm very spooky. You see it right there? Dark yeah, matter. I see it. Dark Girl matter. A right next to it. Mm-hmm. This one right here is another fantastic book. Um but Dark Matter is about uh, this guy, essentially, he just has like a normal day. Um, one of his buddies has uh, really nailed it in his career. So uh, the main character, he um, he's a scientist. He went to school for something science related. And uh, I don't remember. He was like a chemist or something. Yeah. Uh, or quantum mechanic. I don't fucking remember. Science. And science. He, yeah. You know, science. Very. Yeah. Um, but basically, he ends up not following his dream. Like, he could have been like this Nobel Peace Prize winning, whatever, amazing scientist. But he ended up kind of getting married, having kids, doing the whole kind of nuclear family American dream thing. And he's happy. Like, he loves his life, but he has a little part of him that's like, I wonder what what would have happened had I, like, gone on the track and not gotten married and, like, what what would my life have been looking like? Sure. So one of his buddies from college did end up very, very successful. So he ends up, like, winning this award and um, the main character gets invited to just the pub to go, like, celebrate it. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go. And his wife is like, just go for one drink. Like, it's it was your college roommate. You should go say hi and, you know, congratulate him. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll go for one drink and I'll be back. And he goes. And um, without giving anything away, essentially, he gets kidnapped and suddenly finds himself in another reality where he doesn't marry his wife. Oh, Okay. And so then uh, there, it, it plays with the idea of parallel universes and all of those like fun metaphysical ideas of like, you know, well, what if I jumped to another universe and ended up here? And right. what would happen then? 
It's very, very good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're just making me more excited to read it. I'm again so still a little good. scared just because I know it's going to be amazing, and then I'm going to become a dark matter evangelist or something. And tell <laughs> they're coming people. out with a TV show. God, then we gotta. I gotta read it so that I can talk about it on our show, so I can try and like. Yeah you know, jump on that. We tried to do that with Dune where like it was coming out in this last November. And so we're like, Oh, let's do Frank Herbert for November and try and jump on that ban- bandwagon. And then Dune got pushed out. So, we're... and then you also haven't been the same since. Yeah, exactly. Like... I'm telling you, it's <laughs> like, I know it's kind of silly, but it legitimately is always a fear of mine to try and read a really good book because yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to change, but I know I will. You know, when there's a, a good book, there's also the hipster part of me that just hates everything that people are really into at that yeah, time. Yeah, I have that too. I lived in Portland for a yeah. long time, so I think <laughs> so we, you know. Yeah, we're all infected by that. Yeah, man. But, like I yeah. still, I still haven't watched or read Game of Thrones. Me neither. And I well, actually, I've seen some episodes. Oh yeah, I just I like none of it, and I've kind of done that because of like a moral uh stance that i've taken uh on top of it but it really also came out of the fact that i just everybody was talking about it everybody liked it and i didn't i don't i don't want to jump thing i loved um the hobbit and i read some of lord of the rings when i was really young and it was like a lot for me like the hobbit was like where i i knew what was going on sure um and then when those movies came out, I was the same. I was like, I don't care about this anymore. <laughs> and it was funny because like my parents were just like, "Don't you love this shit? Like you love these books. This is so you." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't I just." So is that maybe like the same reason much. why you're you're not on super on board with the Harry Potter movies just because they were so probably big? Yeah, yeah, it's probably some of that. When I think too, like just like earlier when you asked about had I seen the Amazon Prime. TV show for lore. Yeah. I think like when I have been introduced to a media in a certain way, that's my preferred. It's like how I'm used to right. it. Right. Yeah. You know, so like if I had only seen the TV show for lore and never heard the podcast, maybe I'd feel the opposite. Maybe it'd be like the show is great, the podcast is cadence yeah, is weird. It's a you bit know? weird. But yeah, exactly. I don't know. So yeah. I just don't like change, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the main yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I don't like yeah. change either. That's why yeah. I get I like it took me forever. I finally picked up um a uh Terry Pratchett book. And mm. I'm slowly descending into the disc world with the the guard series. Do you know much about Terry Pratchett? No, I know that name. So what what are what's so, the guard series? Yeah, so he wrote the disc world um series and it's okay. like 52, 54 four books long something like that but no. right yeah i know it's scary i'm, I'm giving Unless you it's I'm, anamorphs like yeah I'm, not I'm giving you the the full that. scope before i shrink it down for you so it's okay it, i know it's intimidating at first 54 books long nobody has time for that um no one but but what he did is it it's all one series but he used it more as a locale like a setting where he would write his whatever stories he wanted and then he would have specific stories that are um, within that. So it, kind of like the, the DC Universe, Marvel Universe, right? Like you can read Spider-Man, never read the Fantastic Four, but they exist in the same universe, right? Got it. That's okay. what the Discworld yeah. is. So in that, there's a series, I think it's like 
I think it's like six or seven books long, and it's the the watch. Uh, I believe is what it's called, the Watch oh, series. Oh, that sounds really familiar. Well, they just re- I know BBC just started releasing a, a show of the Watch, so I, that could be people are noticing it there. But I, I wanted to read it before I watched it, and haha, watched, and um, <laughs> and it and it is really good. It's really funny. He writes really well. There's also a, a whole series that he did about death in the disc world like and like the figure of like the grim reaper type oh, death cool. um i think the first book is called mort and oh, okay. uh, that's been like so renowned in his i think that's the number one most beloved character that he wrote is the character of death and the struggles that this character goes through of like it's my job to essentially kill people like, where do I find, where does society find that value? How do I do my job and love it sort of thing? And hmm. so, I again, I, I kind of, I wanted to read that series, the death series, but I wanted to n- be able to trust Terry Pratchett a little bit more before I got into such a hard-hitting series. So that's why I started with The Watch, um, because I know it's supposed to be funnier and a little more lighthearted and then I'm willing to read a book by him that, or a series by him that will probably change me and make me think critically about my beliefs and who I am as a person and all this stuff because that's what a good book should do, right? Is like change yeah. you as a person. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do notice, um, so I like to write short stories Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I do notice that, like, my narrative style will adapt to what I'm reading. And I won't even mean to do it sometimes, but I'll be like, oh, this is definitely, like, I can hear the same tone. Right. Yeah. You're, you're, it's not necessarily mimicry. It's more just kind of, especially in a short, right, where you have a little bit more freedom to try something and you're not. Yeah. You're not committed to it forever you have the ability to kind of exercise a little bit and see like, oh, do I do I like this tone for my narration? Do I like this content? Uh, yeah. that's, what, that's what I like about writing shorts at least is just being able to try on different hats. I've never written a novel. I, I feel like it'd be really hard for me to stay committed to like one concept. Like I love, I love doing creative writing. I have a thing like the writer's block where they give you like little creative writing prompts. Oh, that's great. Um, but I, I don't know. I've never been like, yeah, I'm going to write about this one thing for like five years. (laughs) (laughs) Someday I want to, it's like a bucket list item, but I haven't found my thing yet. If you are, do you gravitate towards a specific genre or, or anything like that when you do your writing? Definitely horror. Oh yeah. Yeah, I write almost exclusively horror. Even when I try not to, um, I will. It'll end up kind of having like at least like a melancholy hmm. vibe to it, um, like maybe Twilight Zone kind of feel. Nice. I remember one of the short stories I wrote was uh, the prompt was like write about your most boring job. So I wrote about this guy who just basically clocked in nine to five, didn't do anything all day. And the message overall was like, 
this guy, all he ever wanted was a simple life and that's all he has. And it's actually kind of sad. Yeah. And it's written kind of like, well, yeah, he could have, you know, like he's kind of thinking throughout his day where he's like, well, I guess I could have, I wanted to be promoted, but I've, I've never really done any work to be promoted. And when I think about it, I don't really want to do the extra work. So actually I think I'm fine with like where I'm at and yeah, on the weekends I walk and I feed the ducks and like, I always wanted a simple life and this is how I live and I make just enough to live the lifestyle I have and I never got married, never really did anything else and someday I'll die. <laughs> and it's like, uh, that yeah. comes out of me and it's like horror. Yeah, it's, it's that's <laughs> some real existential horror right there, man. Yeah, like, exactly. That's what so I, other than that, I like to write like real scary, fun yeah. stuff. I have that I have that thought constantly in my head of like what's even the point of life if like if you're not creating something if you're not adding to the world in some way like what's the fucking point like going 9 to 5 and then even having kids all you're doing is like propagating a virus I don't know yeah. I get I can get real real oh, existential I, I do real too. fast I I I don't think that they're well like I I know CS Lewis is your favorite author you said so I don't know if that means you're Christian um, I am not a religious person, so I know a lot of people find their meaning of life through their religion. Sure. Um, for me, I just, I don't really think there is a point. Right. I think that you might as well find things that you enjoy and try not to be a dick. <laughs> and that is kind of like how I live. Yeah. Um, but uh, I try to say no as much as I can is like a new thing I've been working on this yeah. past year. Um, setting boundaries, really, like learning how to be like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, and not feeling guilty. Uh, that gives me purpose. I no, like I, telling people no. I think that that's <laughs> something that, that a lot of people have in common, um, especially in their like mid-20s to mid-30s, is that that moment of like, man, I don't want to do that. And I don't need to have a reason for not wanting to do that. I just don't want to. And yeah, being okay exactly. with that. And and then it's it's the people around you that have to suffer because you're you're exercising this new muscle of like, hey, do you want it? No, I don't. Well, I'm why okay. not? Because I don't. I don't feel like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've actually started to, uh, so recently I quit drinking. I quit drinking uh, end of January. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's been a really easy excuse to not go to things because yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm not drinking. I'm, I shouldn't be there. Um, <laughs> like one of the big things to come out of this pandemic is working from home. Yeah. So like I'm in my pajamas. I'm literally wearing fuzzy slippers right now. Like I'm in my <laughs> pajamas all the time. I don't want to leave my house if I don't have to. <laughs> if I'm leaving, it's because I'm going to yoga on the bluff or like doing something I feel like doing. Right. And uh, I don't really, I don't like moving my car. I live in Long Beach. It's really hard to find parking here. Oh, if I don't yeah. absolutely have to go somewhere, I don't go. Right. Right. Or I go like very early in the morning so I can come back and have a parking spot. And, um, I've just started to just say exactly that. Yeah. I don't want to move my car. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I'll literally be like, it's hard for me to find parking later in the afternoon. So um, I can only get there at like 9 a.m. Yeah. At like the latest. 
That's awesome. I think that's so funny. And because it is so valid, but it doesn't come off as valid. Like, no, it comes off as like, yeah, it looks like you're trying to make an excuse to not do something. It's like, no, it's not an excuse. It's literally the reason why I don't want to do anything. Yeah. So. It's an excuse. It's just a valid excuse for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. so I um, actually recently started doing uh, COVID testing for, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a phlebotomist. I don't know if you know this. I worked at Kaiser for a few years. I don't um, even know what a phlebotomist is. What is that? <laughs> they draw blood. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. We hate it when you call us vampires, but we're the vampires of the medical <laughs> uh, community. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I am a phlebotomist, but now I work in the film industry. Well, since COVID happened, now both of my experiences, both with film and with medicine have like come together Mm -hmm. and I've done COVID compliance on set. I have, I'm now doing, um, I'm the safety director for a locations agency in LA. So I check in on all the other COVID compliance officers and I'm like, Hey, are you doing this? What kind of testing did they do? Whatever. And I also sometimes actually perform the COVID tests. So right now, um, me working for this this other company that's doing COVID testing is like a separate thing. Um, my main bread and butter is at the locations agency. So she will ask me to do things that I'll be like, oh, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, unless you can pay me a minimum of $60 to do that, I'm not moving because I don't want to try to find a new parking spot. Sure. Yeah. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm like, I I already have a job. Like, yeah. But I've become very valuable to her because if there is a test that's being done at five in the morning, I'm You're your there. girl. Yeah. I, I'm an insomniac. I don't sleep anyway. And I will still <laughs> have a parking spot when I'm back in Long Beach at 6.37 a.m. So, nice. yes, yeah, call me. Yeah. I'll do it at 4 a.m. I don't give a fuck. But... I'll do it for 60 bucks or more. <laughs> That's yeah. the only difference. <laughs> That's awesome. That It's great that you've been able to find something that kind of combines your experience, your skill set with, you know, a passion that you have. And, and I think that's super great. Uh, and I, I think you're very, you're very lucky to have found that in, in this time. Um, Cause a lot of people haven't. And so I think that's cool. Thanks. Yeah. No, it actually just fell into my lap, to be honest with you. I moved to L.A. because I was still doing my podcast and mm-hmm. a lot of comedians are in L.A. I had traveled here a couple times for my show and I finally was like, you know, I'm just going to move here. I hate winter. So, like, let's just do it. Um, and I came here. I got my phlebotomy license in California because I only had one in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And I still had to wait for my license from the state. And I couldn't get a job until that license came back. So in that in-between time, I had become friends with a guy who his best friend was a comedian on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And the guys just started following me on Instagram, whatever. And I was posting videos where I was like, I will do anything. If anyone has a job, I've been a server at bars for most of my life. If anyone has a job open up, I, I'm waiting for my phlebotomy license and I need a job. Yeah. And he was like, well, they're hiring at my locations agency. The funny thing is the job I was applying for was exactly what I do for my podcast. So mm. for my podcast, I have to get permission to go to these haunted places. Like sure. I have to call 
like whoever, email whoever and, and get permission and ask what I need to do to be allowed to be there. At a locations agency, a producer is looking for a location, like if it's a mansion or someone's home or a school or wherever it is. Yeah. So I am a coordinator who will work with the producer and the homeowner and figure out like their contract and like so that they can film their commercial or music video or TV show or whatever sure. in that location. So when I went to the interview, I was like, oh, I've been doing this for years. I have a podcast. <laughs> I'm a professional nice. at this. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of worked out. And I love it. That's great. That's yeah. so cool. Thanks. Um, so I'm trying to think now, how, how did we get from dark matter to phlebotomy? Um, and how, no where do we go from here at this point? Right. Like, I don't know. <laughs> is there, what would you say at this point is like your favorite book of all time or, or yeah, your favorite book of all time? God, I don't know. Um, my favorite book of all time. I loved In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. Have you read that? Nope. Uh, it was the first of its kind. He called it a, um, a nonfiction novel. So it's written like a novel, but it's true. And it's, uh, I don't know if you're into true crime. I'm like a huge fan of true crime. <laughs> I'm um, not, but my wife, oh my God, is she... Is she a murderino? She can't fall asleep without forensic files. Like, legitimately, okay. she says, unless someone's been murdered or being murdered, I can't fall asleep. That's, I'm with her. I lo I don't know. It's like, a, it's like a female thing. Like, women love true crime. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, there's that show, uh, My Favorite Murder. I don't know if she listens to that. I'm not I, sure what she listens to at this point with podcasts. <laughs> I just, I know the show she watches because I'll come in and I'm, and it's like, oh, a woman has killed a man. This must be snapped. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I'm familiar. Um, anyway, so yeah, uh, In Cold Blood is about the murder of the Clutter family. This family gets murdered and it's told from the perspective of the killers. So the author, Truman Capote, who you might know from Breakfast at Tiffany's, which he also wrote. Okay. Uh, he, a totally different concept. Yeah. Uh, Truman Capote went to death row and interviewed the killers to tell this story from their perspective. That's nuts. And he actually fell in love with one of the killers. And uh, there's a whole backstory to the actual story. That's so good. Yeah. There's a movie called Capote with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman that's also great and it's all about him. Is that what, because um, I've seen I've seen the movie cover at the very least. Yeah. And so like I, I've, I, I don't know what I thought it was but I didn't know it was anything like that, so. Yeah, yeah, I think In Cold Blood is probably one of my favorite books of all time. I loved um, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is kind of similar it's true uh but the stories are almost unbelievable and there's also a murder in that as well um yeah i just m murders and and true true crime stuff i'm i don't know i'm like i guess it's maybe law and order ruined it for me <laughs> where i like i'm like this is so formulaic and so over but the these top, are true. These right? Are and real I, murders. I know that that's the case where it's like this is real stuff, so it's way more interesting. And, that, and I, maybe I just like it 
uh, like tangentially, right? Like, yeah. I won't watch it, but if my wife is watching it, I'm like, oh, don't turn it off. It's fine. I'll just, you know, <laughs> I'll sit yeah. here on my phone and, you know, make a new D&D character and, and listen or watch or something. Sure. But she Well, tell your wife about In Cold Blood. I, I've written it. it down. I'm going I'm going to definitely tell her about that. Her her favorite thing right now, I had to look it up. Uh, it's a YouTube series, a, a YouTube person, Bailey Sarian. Do you okay, know who this know. is? No. She she does makeup, which my my, my wife oh, is like. I think I know who, and she talks about killers. Yeah, my wife is like mad about makeup, but she she does the makeup while she tells these stories, and yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so uh, my wife binged everything YouTube. from her. I don't. That's that's my only. I've seen her advertise on Facebook, and she, that's kind of cool. Uh, but I'm a huge fan of My Favorite Murder, which is a podcast where they talk about killers. And I, I prefer that. To gotcha. it. I, I'm not like a huge makeup person. I just wear eyeliner and mascara. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, In Cold Blood is fantastic. And Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is also kind of a love story about the city of Savannah, Georgia. Okay. Uh, which is a fantastic book as well. Movie was not fantastic. <laughs> but... Uh, so do you like do you like fictionalized like crime stuff like um, man now I'm trying to think like Hannibal do you like the Hannibal series at all I haven't seen it um, uh, Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite movies of all time okay which is part of why I haven't seen the Hannibal TV show because I don't know if it's gonna like ruin it for me or not I I actually meant more like the books themselves like have you oh, read no. the book series I I haven't read them no. Okay, because no. I I've heard that they're really good. I just I I think my dad had us watch Manhunter when we were kids, which is now that I'm saying that out loud, messed the fuck up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I think when I got older, I watched Silence of the Lambs and I, Silence of the Lamb, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is good stuff. And then I found out it was actually based off of books, and uh, and so I I did I have I don't think I've ever met someone who actually oh wait. Now I have to go back into my catalog. I think one person has talked about how good they are, but I have, I have to find out. Interesting. Yeah, no, I haven't. it hasn't been recommended to me really before. Um, but I know they have that TV series that came out recently. Right, with uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, I haven't seen it. My mom likes it for some reason, which is weird. <laughs> I She, like, finally... I was a really weird kid, and I loved horror movies since I was, like, little, little. Um, and so Silence of the Lambs was like one of my favorite movies since I was a little kid, which is super weird to say, but it's like a true crime movie. People sure. think of it as like a horror movie and it's really it's not. not. No. Um, but, uh, my mom finally watched it like a few years ago and was like, Oh my God, it was so good. And I was like, I know it's Jodie Foster, true <laughs> yeah, crime. I like I told you, you would have loved it. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, people think of Silence of the Lambs and they picture it being like this like terrible horror movie. Which never yeah, I don't. I me. think maybe it's the the marketing for it is it, they yeah. try to market it as this horror movie, but it's really not. It it's 
it, that's why I brought it up because it is so much more like a true crime type of story. It's just which I guess it's not true. So it's, it's not crime, right. It, it's but, just yeah. crime and thriller, I guess. So cannibalism. <laughs> Have you read anything by Ted Decker at all? Have you ever heard of him? Uh, no, no, no. Most people haven't. I just I, I just thought I'd take a shot in the dark. So he's a he's a Christian author from when I was a, a teen, and and you brought it up earlier. I am a Christian. Uh, the the show between Lewis and Lovecraft is is based off of me because my two favorite authors are C.S. Lewis and H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft, yeah. Uh, because they are two of the most completely different people in the entire world. Yeah. And that's kind of the dichotomy within myself. I'm I'm a Christian, but I'm also um all I'm basically a nihilist at this point. And um <laughs> yeah. and so it's it's kind of I'm a weird mix. Um, and that's why I think I like Ted Decker a little bit because he is a Christian guy. Um, and some of his later stuff is, is way more Christian, but his earlier stuff is really interesting because he wrote a lot of like crime thriller stuff where, uh, I think like three, there's a book called three and it's like a caller calls you up and you have like three minutes to confess all your sins. And if you don't, he blows you up or something like that. Oh, it's just like kind of a seven vibe to it yeah it's got yeah it's got that seven vibe there's one called obsession i think that is kind of another big one of his um but he's he like broke into the world uh, writing these crime kind of thrillers and uh and it's sad because because he is a christian and because he writes for a christian publisher his works don't get out there that much you know he's still oh i see yeah. he still earned a name he still earned a career and and he's famous within his circle of you know christian teenage people um but i think his works could have been so much bigger if if it had been through a different press or publisher, or publisher. Yeah. um which is you know whatever he, at the end of the day he put his name on the on the dotted line so he knew he he was doing a little bit yeah You know, um, I was going to tell you, so C.S. Lewis is your favorite author. I have a tattoo on my arm of a lion, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted a lion, uh, (laughs) but my buddy who did it in Grand Rapids is a really, really good portrait artist, Uh and he wanted to just pull up a picture of just a front-facing lion, and he grabbed Aslan from the cover of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the, the movie. Yeah. And because uh, it's a real lion's face and he was like, this will work. And right before he did the tattoo, there's just like he very faintly traced like, all right, this is where the eyes are, nose, mouth, mane. And because I know he's so amazing, I just didn't look and was like, he's got this. Yeah. And uh, he's so good that I will just be walking around and people will stop me and go, oh, hey, Aslan. And I'm like, no. <laughs> It's just no, a lion. Just a lion. We were both like, well, no one's going to know. <laughs> and I will literally be walking around and people will stop me and be like, oh, is that Aslan? And I'm like, it, actually, yeah, it is. It's not supposed to be. <laughs> on accident, it is. Not He's, on purpose. This guy's just too good. Did you Have you read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe or Narnia at all? You know, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I read it in school and did a presentation on it 
but I hadn't finished it. Mm-hmm. And I like cliff notes it and I did fine. I got like an A on the presentation. It was no big deal. But I was like freaking out about it. Mm. I like made, uh, I handed out little um, chocolates that I titled, uh, what was that kid's like favorite drink? Oh, uh, the Turkish Delight. Turkish Delights. Yeah, yeah. I like, talked about that. Like I knew what that was. <laughs> like I had no idea what I was talking about. Nice. But I was like, yeah, there's a closet. You know, I don't know. This closet, fine. this line in there, and a uh, little kid gets some uh, chocolates. This kid loved. He just loved Turkish delights. Uh, does anyone have any questions? <laughs> no. Okay, great. That's Thanks great. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, no. I. You don't have to apologize to me. I didn't write it. Um, at Chronicles of Narnia are great, man. I highly recommend I it. Heard. But. Uh, as a 30 year old it's hard to get into the um the 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 children's story that is you know the chronicles of narnia um so it's almost a good idea to read something like the narnia code uh in front of it to kind of like prime you for it because there is a lot of there's a lot of depth and weight to the books themselves that you know as as an average reader you don't you don't catch on to and uh, we did we just did a whole episode on planet narnia and all that Uh, so honestly don't even go fucking read the book go listen to our (laughs) podcast and then go read the narnia series um okay yeah because it's so deep it's so insanely deep and intentional and c.s lewis was a friggin' genius and um, i know there's something religious about it which I me not being a religious person has always kind of turned me off a little bit. Yeah. But I I don't understand exactly what he's doing. I don't think it's, Jesus has a role in the story. Jesus maybe doesn't. He does. Jesus doesn't have a role in the story. But it, it's oh man. I, you know what? Honest to God, it, go listen to the episode that we did on Planet Narnia, okay. and you'll. And yeah. I don't. I don't even want to talk about it here because it just yeah. gets so deep and crazy. I just, okay. I highly recommend it. Okay, um, I'll check it out. But he has other works that are all very, very good. And um, and, and the unfortunate part is they are mostly religious uh, works. And I, I know that, that you're uh, not a believer and I, I don't, I don't push that. And in fact, that's what I talk about on my show is that I don't, I don't push because I don't believe that it's my job to make anybody believe but there are certain things that are just so well written and I, I've gone out of my way to read uh, texts uh, that are written by Buddhists like uh, the, uh, um, the five circles, way of the five circles, stuff, stuff like that, or you know, from other religions because there's beauty in other beliefs and other written work. Um, and I, I, so I still like to push things written by Christians on people, not because I want to push Christianity, but because there's beauty in them. Yeah, no, I respect that. So C.S. Lewis, it comes up all the freaking time. Even J.R. Tolkien, you know, Tolkien wrote all of his stuff and and he had a lot of his own faith in that. Um, Man, this is all fresh because we've just spent the last month talking about Tolkien and Lewis, so... Yeah, if there's anything that you ever wanted to read from Lewis, I, I would I would say um, Narnia would be good. But like, uh, 
screw tape letters you might like that okay uh it's written from it's it's basically a collection of letters uh i air quotes for our listeners because they can't see me um (laughs) written from one demon to another um and yeah this sounds up my alley right and it's basically like um like the older demon is teaching the younger demon how to properly fuck with people and even when the younger demon yeah even when the younger demon is like yo uh my guy just accepted Christ. What what do I do now? Am I done? And the the older demon's like, no, your work just started, dude. Like now you gotta fuck with them even more. And it's it's really and it's written in a very interesting language uh, way of of speaking that it's kind of hard to read, uh, at least for a dumb dumb head like me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. That's the one that I would recommend it because it it does okay, touch yeah. on some stuff. Yeah, I do. I gear more towards darkness. That definitely sounds up my alley. And I've heard demon story. Like, I don't deny anything. I, I've heard stories about demons that I believe. Yeah. There's there's definite... Uh, I have a segment on my podcast where people call in and tell me their ghost stories. Oh, that's and cool. Yeah, and I encouraged people to start calling in and telling about demon stories or whatever. And um, I've heard some really interesting stuff. I've also, uh, I love the sci-fi had a show called, um, fuck, what was it called? The Paranormal Witness is what it was. Okay. And it was the only ghost show I've ever seen where I didn't think that it was faked. Like, Mm. every person that they interviewed seemed legit. Like, they seemed like they were telling the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I read about it later and found out that they did actually vet their guests on that show to make sure that they weren't... I mean, they can't prove that they're not bullshitting, but they really made sure they felt legit. Yeah. Um, Which is what I did on my show as well, inspired by Paranormal Witness. I When people called in or set up a call to do... Uh, their own personal ghost story. I had them email the story to me, and then I had an assistant read the email. I wouldn't look at it, and the assistant would tell me whether or not this sounds like legit or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would have that guest on the show, and I would know nothing, and they would tell me their story. That's Um, awesome. It's cool that you you did the work that goes into it because it's so easy to be contested within you know the the supernatural spiritual world of things Um, yeah i think it's and so much of it is like obviously meant to like ghost hunters i talk shit about them on my show all the time it's like obviously meant to just be entertaining but it's not real and they don't believe it's real right i actually had one day at work at the locations agency we got a call that came in and I happened to be the person who answered the call and he said hey we you know we want to book um one of your haunted locations we're going to bring a comedian there and my heart just (laughs) sunk what because this is like a tv show calling us and I'm at work so I can't be like hey well you know (laughs) you should listen to laughing in the dark yeah posers uh, but I, I felt kind of good because they were like, you know, we were going to be at the Cecil Hotel and then they kind of like 
you know, told us we couldn't be there last minute, which is what happened to me. Yeah, I, I listened. To I so listened I like, to that oh. episode. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that was our season finale of um, season three, but we didn't physically go there because mm-hmm. it was during COVID. Right. So that's why I was actually able to do it. Um, I wanted to go to the Cecil Hotel with um, Kyle Kinane in season one. Oh, but okay. they didn't let us go, so instead we did uh, the Comedy Store, which is still a fun episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this guy calls and he's like, "Yeah, we want to bring a comedian to a haunted place. Do you guys represent any haunted locations?" And I was like, "Well, you had the right person to answer the phone. Like, <laughs> yeah, actually, we do rep some places that are considered haunted." Um, uh, I can work with you on this. Uh, and I actually just said out loud so the other agents in my office could hear me. I was like, oh, you want to take a comedian to a haunted place? And everyone <laughs> looked at me like, that's yeah. a show. And I was like, I know, I'm going to cry. Um, but uh, I haven't seen it come out yet, so mm. it must not well, have worked out. Because that was of, like a year ago. Speaking of that, uh, I mean, we've been talking for an hour now, and we haven't yeah. really talked too much about your show and um in depth uh you've you've run three seasons now of of laughing in the dark podcast uh you take comedians to haunted places um and you talk about the history of it and all that it's it's such a good show i love the history the the jokes the scariness i mean like it's if you created a venn diagram of things that tyler likes I think that this is exactly what you would come up with. So thank you. Um, and I mean, are are you are you looking at expanding it at all and going in any any new directions? Uh, yeah. So eventually, I want to pitch the concept as a TV show. Mm. Um, that is something that I was in the middle of working on, and then Miss Rona came along <laughs> and had different plans. So right. now we're waiting for her. Um, but Eventually, my plan is to expand Laughing in the Dark to a TV show. Um, I want it to be... Have you ever seen the show um, Drunk History? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you, I, I, my show gets compared to Drunk History a lot because we drink a lot on the show. Sure. Uh, or it gets compared to comedians in cars getting coffee. I get both yeah. a lot. It's like that if it was horror. Um so I kind of like the model of drunk history where they are kind of telling the story and then they like flash the actor's reenactment of mm-hmm. the story. What I want to do for my show in this like budget allowing, I would like to have me and the comedian in the haunted place. There's a lot of obviously fun that goes into actually seeing where we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when I'm telling the story, I would like that part to be animated. Oh, so okay. It kind of like mixes up. And again, budget allowing, I would love it if it was a different animator for each episode. Sure. So that it's like an eclectic mix of animation styles. And then, of course, there's different comedy styles with different comedians that I have on. Right. Some comedians have a really dark sense of humor, and so do I. So we kind of take off on that. Other times, the comedians are genuinely terrified. Yeah. And it's kind of me, like, counseling them through their fear. <laughs> and them being like, what is wrong with you that you're not scared? Like, why are you not? I'm like, because this is my shit. I don't know. I yeah. like this stuff. <laughs> like, um, but, 
Yeah, so that's kind of, that's the plan. Yeah. That's great. I think that would be such a fun watch um, to be able to to laugh alongside of people while being scared. It's such a it's such a fun idea to me at least. Maybe I'm just fucked up in the head, but no, it's same. that's I would be there if if you ended up being able to sell that as a show. I'd be there episode one. I'd be there for the pilot for sure. Well, uh, thank to check you very much. I will eventually have it up on YouTube and. Mm-hmm. I, my plan is to just get as many viewers as I can and then pitch that. Because, you know, like, companies don't care about how good your concept is. They care about how many people are wanting to watch yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of after this year, hopefully, that will be the next plan. My boss knows about it. Like, yeah. I have a location picked out. <laughs> I have my comic picked out. Like, that's great. It's going to happen. It's just going to take some time. So that's the plan. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I really love about doing my show is that um, I really value authenticity. Mm-hmm. So what I love about comedy is that there is a real vulnerability in comedy. A lot of people um, use comedy to cope. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with fear, that's also such a primal feeling that it's very difficult to... If you are not being your authentic self and you are afraid, your authentic self is going to come out. Like, right. And um, I really, really like that raw, authentic vulnerability that people have when they're afraid. And um, what I love about comedians is they cope with that fear through comedy. Right. So it can be very entertaining as well. But I love sharing that with somebody else. And... Like you said at the beginning of this show that you like, hopefully I'll become friends with this person after an hour. I have that experience with my guests as well because we experience something unique together. Yeah, together. You know, we spend an hour or two in a cemetery in the middle of the night. Yeah. Or we spend the night at a bed and breakfast that's haunted in the haunted room. Right. Or, you know, whatever. And... uh I've had a lot of really cool experiences. Like I did one episode in Portland, actually, or outside of Portland. Uh, it was this house in the middle of the woods, and my comic guest was. Oh, Mariko you came to Ott. my house. Okay, gotcha. But yeah. that, no, well, so here, so when I did the research, I was under the impression that this was an abandoned house. Uh huh. So I told Noriko, my guest, who is now a very good friend of mine, he's a very funny comedian, he has his own podcast called What's More Metal with Dan Weber, who's also a hilarious Portland-based comic, both are great, that show is hilarious and amazing, Um, but I told Noriko, look, this house might be completely demolished, we might just be standing in the woods, but like, whatever, is that cool with you? And he's like, yeah, that's cool, whatever. The day before I go... And if, if you've heard my show, you've heard that I do extensive research. Yeah. I research for at least a week right. on a location. So I do a lot of work um, for free. I don't make any money on my show at all. Yep. Um, and uh, the day before, I'm like, well, why don't we just, just to be safe, let's like do a white pages lookup of this location just, just to be safe. Let's just make sure. Yeah. Turns out, Someone fucking lives there. Someone lives there. So if we just show up, 
we're going to be trespassing. Yeah, you're going to get and shot. And we're going tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And Noriko's a busy guy. I've booked him. I didn't know him yet. Now right. we're good friends. Didn't know him at all yet. And I knew he was pretty prominent in the comedy scene in Portland. And I was like, I can't cancel on this guy. What am I going to do? Yeah. So I find the, the, the owner had a unique name. So I found him on Facebook. And I sent him a message. I was like, look, this is so weird. Uh, but I don't know if you know this. Like, your house is haunted. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> uh, I wrote this whole episode on your show. I know this is a really weird request. But can we come hang out there for a couple hours like it's it's sorry i know this is so weird this is my phone number if you want to call me and the guy called me and he was like we'd love to have you guys we're gonna Mm. be here if that's okay like we're gonna be you know hanging out drinking like we're spending the weekend here but yeah you're welcome to come in and check it out we know it's supposed to be haunted like we'd love to have you where's this at we god you know, I'm the worst. I don't even remember you the name remember of this place. <laughs> This is season one. Like, it was years ago. Uh, but if you look through... Let me see. I can probably find it on um, my business Instagram. So, we ended up going, at any rate, and drinking with the owners. Like, we were, like, partying with them. It was really, really fun. Damn, all right. It was, like, I mean... Totally an unexpected result. I thought I was going to have to cancel the show, but um, let me find it. I'm really close. Oh, here it is. It's called The Welch's Roadhouse with Noriko Ott. It's episode 15 of season one. Um, And I don't know if you know this. If you follow my Instagram, you can actually find photos of uh, each... um, each location I go to, I take photos, and you can actually scroll through and look at pictures while you're listening to the episode. Um, but yeah, it was it was very unexpected. We had a lot of fun. All right, but, yeah, Welsh's yeah. that is out in the middle of nowhere, huh? It's like right yeah. next to Mount Hood. So yeah, it was like a long drive. Yeah, yeah. man, crazy. I'll have to definitely go check that one out for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm so excited uh, that you that you have plans to to take it further, um, and it, it sounds like such a fun show. I hope that our listeners will go immediately from this episode to go check out some of the others. What would you say is the best episode somebody could check out? Like what number, what guest, or or place? Um, hmm. not really not hard. to be like yeah, like not to be like oh, who's your favorite? Because no, no. Uh, my most, uh, in season three, my most, um, exciting one was when I got to go to, uh, the Winchester Mystery House. Yep. Okay. Uh, so the first, like, half hour of that episode is me actually telling the story. That's what I recommend the most. The rest is us checking it out, which is fun, too. Um... But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot. If you want to listen to one where the comedian gets scared, those are really fun. Um, the There's an episode in season one with Becky Bronstein, and it's at, uh, it's at a cemetery. Shoot, I forget what the name of the cemetery is. <laughs> but uh, 
The Lone Fur Cemetery in Portland was a really great episode. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. I, they're all very unique and they're all very fun. You know, you personally would probably really love, um, there's that bar in Portland that's like the Lovecraft inspired yeah. bar. Yeah. Yeah. We I were. I did an episode there. We were definitely going to try and get there before. Uh, everything happened. We weren't able to. Ooh, that place yeah. is very cool. But I did, yeah, the Lovecraft with um, Amanda. That that's a really great episode. Yeah, there's a lot of good ones. It's it's. I mean, I would just recommend scrolling through and seeing whatever what, what you got. like speaks to you. Be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, the Lafayette Pioneer Cemetery. That's the one. Yeah, yeah Becky flipped out. That's great. And what's really cool is if you actually listen closely to that episode at the very beginning, Becky says something like, oh, there's a lady up there in the cemetery. And there was nobody there. But she was so scared to go that I didn't make a comment about it at all. Oh, jeez. So if you actually listen to it at the beginning, you'll hear her. She actually did see something that wasn't there. That's nuts. That's crazy. Yeah. Very cool. Um. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. It was, it, I'm I'm definitely excited to go, because I don't think that I saw any of your first season stuff around the, the Portland area, and, and I'm going to have to definitely jump into that. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely I recommend, gonna... since you live there, go to the locations yeah. I'm talking about. Go yeah. to Lone Fur and sit there and listen to the episode. That's the best way That would be super cool, it. actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to try and, and do that. Um, I if you're if you are interested, you could also check out our our Halloween episodes. Uh, we did two of them, and this last year was probably one of our best. We have people write in flash fiction, and then we oh, read cool. it on the show. And um, you know, I this last year I I pr- tried to produce the shit out of it. I've got friends down in L.A. that you know, like I said, uh, talked about earlier, Allie and the whole Fables of Refuge cast. They're all voice actors and and stuff, and so they read for us and. Uh, so if you want to get uh, get in a spooky mood, I I highly recommend that. Um, but yeah, awesome! I'll check it out. So uh, so yeah. So um, anything else that you want to plug before we we go off the air? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, again. Thank you so much for coming, and uh, and stay safe when you go get spooked out there <laughs> i will all right thank you so much have a good rest of your day